0: you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: good afternoon and welcome to one hour at a time recovery begins with education and host mary woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process now here's your host mary woods
2: good afternoon everyone and welcome to one hour at a time today our guest is tom sherman ...who is a yoga instructor. He began teaching yoga in 1987, and he also teaches meditation, tai chi, uh, chai kung, and he works with folks with, who experience alcohol and drug disorders as well as severe and persistent mental illness. Welcome, Tom, um, to our show. I was wondering if you could begin by talking a little bit about you have such a rich background and life experience. If you could share with our audience a little bit about your own experiences and how you became a yoga enthusiast. Thank
3: you, Mary, for this opportunity. And, you know, I originally became interested in yoga and meditation when I was in uh, Vietnam, I was in the Marine Corps. And as you can imagine, being in combat is extremely stressful, and um, I could see the effects that it was having on me um, and the people around me. And I was fortunate enough to meet a Buddhist monk, and uh, I got to know him, and we chatted, and I asked him if he'd teach me how to meditate. And so that was, um, that was when I began this practice, and uh, he... He spoke pretty good English, which helped, and uh, he, he basically said, you should breathe deeply and smile. And whenever I'd start asking him questions about Buddhist philosophy or this or that or meditation, he would just laugh and say, no, just breathe and smile, and everything will be fine. And uh, so that's actually how I got started.
2: It's really interesting because um, oftentimes we think in our Western culture we look for um, pills or um, some type of uh, more traditional kind of medical intervention for people who have severe and persistent mental illness and or people who have, um, you know, substance use disorders. And to begin to think about this on on a more spiritual and kind of a deeper plane is really interesting.
3: Right, and, you know, so many people have that spiritual side of themselves, you know, and sometimes they're not in touch with it. And unfortunately, a lot of people have turned away from some traditional paths to spirituality. For example, church attendance and things like that is falling off. So yoga, even though it's not a religion because it really encourages people to go inside and take a good, hard, honest look at themselves, um, can bring people to a spiritual place.
2: And when we talk about yoga, there are many different types of yoga. What um, type works the m- is the most effective for people with um, addictions or mental illness?
3: Well, there's basically two types that work. When people think of yoga, they usually think of what's called hatha yoga. Hatha yoga is the physical exercises and warm-ups that you often see people do. And the the beauty of that is... is that it gets people in touch with their bodies. They have to be aware of where their arms and their legs are, what's happening with their head and their feet. And as they as they make that connection with movement and, and sensation in their body, it brings them into a state where they're connected with their body versus being up in your head worrying about stuff and... Um, just being stressed and anxious, anxious and kind of running the same worrying dialogue um, through your mind over and over again so by doing the hatha yoga or the physical exercises it brings people in touch with their body and these physical yoga exercises are considered like a ladder that you can use to scale the heights of yoga So these postures set you up for the higher level of yoga, which is meditation. And so when people do their yoga postures and the breathing, they relax, they get rid of some of that anxiety, and then they can make a deeper connection with themselves on a deeper level. When they're full of anxiety and stress and their body is stiff and sore, it's really difficult for people to make a deep connection.
2: So when we're thinking about, um, even when we think about more traditional therapies for um, substance abuse and mental illness, you know, we think about like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really reframing how you think and reframing thoughts that um, then will affect your feelings. So in many ways, it sounds like yoga can do that as well.
3: Right. It can. It It's... Um... It helps people to move in a really positive direction and develop some new habits. Um, you know that'll take them away from that same old situation that where they got into trouble with drugs and alcohol. It points them in a, in a really positive direction. That once you start moving in the direction of yoga and qigong and tai chi, it's like you've made a commitment for health and peace of mind, and, and you're no longer a victim so much. You're proactive. You're really doing something about your, your problems and your health.
2: When, we're, when we think about this, um, what are the benefits that you've seen with folks who uh, have mental illness and substance use disorders? What kind of changes does it help them make?
3: Right. Um, that's a great question. I notice, um, I'll notice uh, when people first start the program, I, I notice they'll often be like fidgety, and it just the, just getting them to sit quietly and breathe and do some breathing meditation. You can see they're fidgeting, they're anxious, they're restless. They don't seem to have a very long attention span, and, and to a certain extent, it feels like they're not really present. But I notice the longer they stay in the program, um, and that's all, not just yoga, but all the aspects of the program that, that like you have at Westbridge. Um, the longer they stay in the program, I notice it's just like they're slowly settling down. They're decompressing. They're, they're letting go. And even in, I, I would say, within three weeks or a month of people beginning the program, I can notice a marked difference in their attention span and just how they can, they can kind of stay centered in the experience versus that kind of r- j- um, jittery restlessness that I often notice when they first begin.
2: Um yoga like compare
3: like with Reiki, for instance okay well that's um reiki is um is a type of um it's not really massage but it's like hand, um healing hands where the Reiki practitioner is is bringing their hands over the the body, either touching the body or some practitioners keep their hands just up off the the surface of the body. And and just going, starting at the head and working down, slowly down to the feet. Reiki, rei means divine, and ki means energy. So reiki means divine energy in Japanese, and it's basically what it is, is the energy is passing through the practitioner, basically life force, chi, energy, good, pure intention is passing through the Reiki practitioner into the Reiki uh, client, and our bodies naturally send the healing energy where it's needed. Now, with yoga, what we're doing by stretching the body and the meridians or acupuncture channels that people have in their bodies, as we're doing our yoga, we're not just stretching uh, the muscles, the ligaments, and the joints and all the tissue. We're not just stretching on the physical level, but when we stretch these meridians or acupuncture lines, it gets the energy moving around the body in a really healthy way. So there is Reiki is designed to get good energy moving around the body, and so is the yoga. I mean, for example, let's say somebody who with a drug and alcohol problem, someone's just sitting there drinking, sitting in a chair, smoking cigarettes and drinking for months and years, and who knows how long, right? So their energy gets blocked and clogged, you can think of stress and tension and worry and anxiety as clogging the system so the energy can't move. So once a person starts doing their yoga and stretching and breathing deeply, and of course coupled with a good diet, um, those energy blocks are mo- uh, are just um, uh, moved out of the system. And as soon as that happens, new energy at, with the breathing and the good diet and the good attitude new fresh energy, new fresh chi comes into the body.
2: Um, how long have, have you been doing this uh, with folks uh, that have mental illness and substance use disorders?
3: You know, I, I, um, I started teaching patients at New Hampshire Hospital um, about 14 years ago, I, and I've, I've been teaching the patients uh, there ever since. Um, and in the last five years, um, they, they the people that run the um, hospital could see the really positive results the program was having with adults. So what they what they did was ask me if I would go to the Philbrook Center, which is the state psychiatric facility for children. And uh, what I do is go in there on a Friday afternoon and it, and help those children uh, just you know relax, and, and connect and just kind of chill out um, as they go into the weekend.
2: Um, and I think you also have used this with folks who are uh, who are elders and also with chronic pain.
3: Yes, I've I have uh, a specialty of working with yoga and the elderly, um, and I've been doing I've been working with senior citizens for about fifteen years now. I do um, five classes a week um, for for elderly people and uh, you know what I do is a very gentle program where we're seated in chairs in a circle and we do seated warm-ups we do our breathing meditation and we do the energy massage self massage and then I have stand up behind their chairs using their chairs as a prop so they have good balance and then we, those that are capable stand up and do um, standing exercises. Those that are more infirm, I keep um, keep them seated in their in their chairs.
2: Um, when we think about yoga, we we often think about this as being more of a, a thing that women do. Um, you know, we kind of associate at least, at least in my mind. I always use, associate yoga with um, either Buddhist monks or something that um, women do. And I'm wondering if you see any resistance from men when it comes to doing yoga or um, what your experience has been with that?
3: Yes. um, You know, it's true. When I first started doing this 22 years ago, I would say the average yoga class was about 95% women. And now I'd say we're at a place where it's maybe 60-40 or 70-30. So more and more men are getting down on their yoga mats and I think you're right. There is some resistance for some men. Um, they think it's wimpy or, you know, they just they, they, they don't think it's uh, challenging enough. Or, um, you know, just a, I think a lot of reasons. I think there is some resistance uh, with men. But the other thing I find is once men try it, those that try it and like it become very persistent at it. It's like once the guys start doing it. They, they, they get they become very persistent with it
2: I, I know for a lot of folks that practice yoga as, as you mentioned there's also a meditative quality toward it and um, usually that energy stays with people for the good part of a day I know I work with people who at different parts of different points in time have um, been practicing yoga and they have this kind of serene energy around them and um, I'm just, when we come back from our break, I'd just like you to talk a little bit about how that energy affects, if you've noticed how that energy affects other environments as well. So um, we'll be right back to talk with Tom Sherman more about yoga and mindfulness and recovery. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America channel.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Um, we're talking with Tom Sherman today about yoga, mindfulness, and recovery. And I'm just wondering, Tom, what your experience has been in terms of when people practice yoga, it's kind of there's a ripple effect in the environment around them. And is that just my uh, observation, or has, have you ever experienced that as well?
3: Yes, Um you know i i have personally experienced it because i've just done so much yoga and tai chi i mean i'm i sometimes i think i have the best job in the world because i i as i do all these practices they benefit me as well and um what i've noticed is um like we'll finish a yoga class and every you know it'll be time to get up and leave and i just notice nobody wants to stand up everybody's just sitting there on their on their mat with kind of a smile on their face, and they don't really want to break that nice peaceful energy that they've absorbed from the class. And in in yoga philosophy, um, the yogis really encourage people. They say, if the first thing we need to do is take care of our own health and peace of mind. Um, if if you are healthy and relaxed, and you have a partner you're going to be more there for them. You're going to be able to communicate with them. You're going to be able to really hear them when they talk to you if you're relaxed and healthy and in a good in a, in a good place in terms of your own amount, emotional health. And it's the same with everybody else. I mean if for example if uh, if if you do your yoga maybe in your work situation there's people that are stressed out or edgy or nervous or just a challenge to deal with during the course of the workday. If you're all full of tension and anxiety, it's going to be harder for you to deal with your coworkers. So I find that when, when you're doing yoga, in a way, it's the best thing you can do for your family members and friends and coworkers because when you do yoga, you're a lot more user-friendly because you're relaxed and centered.
2: We hear a lot um, probably the last few years about mindfulness and like the law of attraction and kind of what energy you put out is what you get back. And uh, I know mindfulness is a big part of your philosophy. And uh, could you talk to us a little bit about that?
3: Yes. Um, I was really – I've been really fortunate. I studied mindfulness-based stress management with John Kabat-Zinn, who uh, was a doctor at the UMass Medical Center in Worcester Mass, and he wrote the book on mindfulness called Full Catastrophe Living. And basically, um, mindfulness means being present in the now. Now, many people are always thinking of the past, or they're always worrying about the future. And the yogis say that if you're thinking of the past or the future, to a certain extent, you're missing out on your life. Because your life happens in the now. And the yogis stress that it's the eternal now. It's always now in your life, in my life, in everybody's life. In this moment, it's the now. And everything is happening in our lives in the now. And the more you can be present in the now, the more effective you can be. If you're daydreaming or you're worrying or you're off on a tangent all the time, to a certain extent, it's like the lines in your mind are busy. The, the 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 circuits are engaged in your mind. You're so busy worrying about the past or the future that you're he- not really here to 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 enjoy your life. So mindfulness through the different mindfulness practices basically trains us to stay in the present.
2: And can you give us an example of of how you do that? I mean, is I, it through the, breathing? Is it through thoughts? Or
3: yes, it's. You know, prim- the, primarily it's through uh, breathing and, in- and sensation-oriented movement. That's yoga. Um, for example, the breathing. It's the breathing that keeps us alive. Everybody, ki- not everybody, but many people sort of forget that because the breathing is involuntary. We forget about it. But it's the, those inhalations that are bringing in the oxygen, what the yogis call life force. It's bringing in the chi or the energy. right? So it's when we focus on the breathing, it encourages us to breathe more deeply, which means we'll bring more oxygen into our respiratory and circulatory system. These big inhalations lead to deep exhalations, and the exhalations bring toxins out of the body and purify the body what the, um, the yogis and these mindfulness teachers have come up with is if you sit and, and close your eyes and breathe deeply, not thinking about the breathing, but as you're inhaling, feel the air entering your nostrils, feel your lungs expanding. And then as you exhale, you feel the air leaving your body. What it does is connect your mind To the rhythm of your body this is the what we hear so much about the mind-body connection when you bring your awareness to the breathing you are in the now you're right in the moment and and with once once you stay with the breathing meditation for a while it helps you to relax for example when people are angry agitated excited the breathing is very shallow and rapid but when people are in a peaceful, mellow state, the breathing is slow and deep and deliberate. So you can actually quiet your mind down and calm yourself by just taking a series of long, deep breaths.
2: It sounds so simple.
3: <laughs> you no, know, it to to a to a large extent, yoga is simple uh, because. Um, it, it it means focusing on your on your breath and it means stretching your body in, in, in slow, deliberate ways. And as for example, as we're doing our yoga postures, let's say we're doing a yoga posture where we have to lift our arms up overhead and spread our feet wide. All right, so as as the yoga student is doing this yoga, they're aware. They're suddenly aware. Oh, I have to bring my arms up. I have to get my arms over my shoulders. I have to stand with my chin level. I have to relax my abdomen. Oh, now I have to make my feet parallel. So the whole time the student is focusing on those different aspects of the posture within their how they move their own body, they're totally connected. Their mind and body is connected, and they're in this, this now that, the, that, that is so important.
2: I know um in dialectical behavioral therapy, um mindfulness is like one of the um, components of it, and how with folks who kind of experience quote unquote personality disorders, um, being mindful is really a a coping skill and, and a tool um,
3: right it is it's it's and you know you see it in in these populations people with uh, you know, mental and emotional challenges, you can, you can see them sometimes. They're not really present. They'll be kind of shuffling along, looking down at the ground, and you can just tell they're living in their heads. And so when, when, when you lead these kind of people into these yoga moves, It's absolutely remarkable when I'll be making eye contact with them and I can tell at first this person is just maybe because of the side effects of medication, maybe because of their illness or a combination thereof, they're not really here. But then when, when, when I'll say like step out with your foot and open up your arms, lift your chin, all of a sudden you see this like a light go off in their eyes when they go, oh my God, he's talking to me. He wants me to lift my arms up and stretch. And all of a sudden, they're back in their body instead of being in those their worries and their fears that have been running through their mind. So it's it's absolutely amazing when you see this connection take place.
2: You know, uh, there's, a, there's an old saying in the self-help community about having one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow. And what happens to today when you do that, I can't really repeat on the air. But, um, <laughs> you know, the whole idea for a lot of folks in recovery from substance use disorders, too, is that it's the same concept. Stay in today. Stay in the now. You know, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not here. And, you know, learn to live in the present. And I think that's hard for a lot of us to do.
3: It is because, with you know, this our lives are so busy and we have so many responsibilities. And, you know, there's just so much coming at us through, say, the media and TV and all of it that I think it I think it can can destabilize us, but the the, the you know the, there's these programs these wonderful like you know live your life one day at a time programs. Well, the yogis have taken that out even further, and they're saying live your life one breath at a time. You know when you're when you're feeling scattered or upset or you find yourself off on a tangent that's leading to worries. If you just bring yourself back to, okay, now I'm inhaling, now I'm exhaling and relaxing. So this it's that same idea, you know, just being right in the moment, one breath at a time, one day at a time.
2: You know, that's probably one of the hardest things for some of us to ever do. <laughs> you know
3: <laughs> You know? It, no, it, from
2: experience?
3: You know, um, it really is. And I you know, um it's the this the situation is that it's the nature of the mind to be restless. that's what minds do. they process information in in with in a very rapid way. I mean it's amazing as if you just turn and run your eyes around the room and look around, the number of thoughts that can can go through your mind in just an instant is is really amazing. and so We've developed our minds like that as human beings and it to survive and there's many benefits to being able to think quickly and think on, on your feet. But excess mental activity, which is a polite way to say worrying, is one of the major causes of stress. Okay. And we're a species of warriors because I think some of our ancestors who used to worry, you know, do we have enough firewood to get through the winter? Do we have enough food? We should do more work. The people, I think, that kind of worried about stuff, I think um, uh, they, our ancestors that were more like that, they had a tendency to survive. So I almost feel like we have this trait within us to be warriors.
2: My father used to say to me that I was never happy unless I had something to worry about. <laughs> right. And, you know, to a certain extent that was true because my, my feeling was if I'm worried about something then I'm prepared for the next shoe to drop, you know. And it took a long time for me to kind of turn all those thoughts around and trust and be able to kind of know that the sun was going to rise tomorrow regardless of what happened today and life would go on.
3: So. Right, it is. It's, it's, you know, trust, trust is such a big part of it. And, you know, just, just trusting, trusting your body and just trusting that you have good instincts within yourself, and just trusting that your body wants to go back to a state like when we were little, say four or five years old, maybe up to about six or seven at the most, we were really spontaneous beings, and our bodies were loose and elastic, and it's from, say, seven on that we make that split from ourselves, where we start, instead of expressing our feelings, storing our feelings, and our fears, and all of that inside. And that's really what builds up in, in our bodies that makes us stiff and full of worry.
2: and tense, and depressed and anxious and right. um, makes us drink too much, do drugs, and all kinds of things that are not very healthy.
3: Exactly. And I think, unfortunately, I think alcohol use is the most popular stress management program. People come home from work, they've had it, and they just they need a drink to get away from it all.
2: Right, right. Um, we'll be right back after our commercials to talk more with Tom about yoga, mindfulness, and recovery. If you have any questions, please call in, and we'll be right back.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: Welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Tom Sherman about yoga, mindfulness, and recovery. And at Westbridge, we have tried to develop a holistic type of treatment interventions for our folks that are at the Commons, which is our, our residential treatment program for for men 18 and over. And, you know, really believing that both um, mental illness and substance use disorders have a biological um spiritual and uh, emotional component to them. We asked Tom to come and start doing uh, classes with us when we opened a couple of years ago. And um, Tom, could you just share with with everyone what is a typical class like at Westbridge for our for our guys?
3: Right, Mary. What I what I do is teach um, qi, what is called Qi Kung and it which is Chinese yoga and qi means energy or to breathe and kung means determination so this program it what it means is like determined to have good energy determined to have energy and um, the um, what it what it consists of is 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 like basically four components the first component is seated meditation Get, just getting people to have a seat most of the people sit on mat on the floor, but some people who are stiffer uh, or who aren't comfortable sitting cross-legged sit in chairs. And the first thing is I get them to close their eyes. I usually will ask them to put their hands over their heart so they can feel their heartbeat or on their abdomen so they can feel their chest and belly moving as they breathe. And I invite them to go in and focus on the breath. And as we discussed before, as soon as people start Feeling the breath moving in and out of their body, they're totally present. I mean, there's no way that you could be thinking about the inhalation and not be there or the exhalation. So we work with the breathing meditation and or the heart meditation where uh, they feel their heartbeat. And then just as the breathing uh, meditation has two components, inhalation exhalation, The heart meditation has two components. There's a heartbeat, then there's that pause, then the next heartbeat, and then a pause, and the next heartbeat. And between the breathing and the heart meditation, it brings people in touch with their body very, very quickly. Then then after they've settled down a little bit, um, I lead them through a series of warm-ups. And basically, the the ways that you can move the human body, you can do forward bends, you can do back bends, you can do lateral stretches, which are stretches from side to side, and you can twist the neck and spine. So those are the major categories of movement in the body. So what I do is lead people through a series of of gentle warm-ups that stretch the body in every direction. And a a lot of times it's according to their level of flexibility or perhaps if somebody has an injury in their shoulder, they have to modify um, the the program to work for them. So the warm-ups, during the warm-ups and the breathing, I'm stressing sensation-oriented awareness. In other words, how does that feel when you roll your shoulders? How does that feel when you stretch your arms overhead? What are you feeling? So this is the, you know, constantly reminding the students to to stay in the experience. So the warm ups move the stress out of the body and the tension and the anxiety. In other words, the stiffness is going to stay in your body unless you move and breathe. You're not going to be able to move the stiffness out. So by doing the warm ups, all the energy systems in the body, like for example the circulatory system, which moves blood. When you stretch all those um, veins and arteries, it helps the circulatory system. When you stretch the body, you're also stretching the nerves and the spine, so it's good for the nervous system. You're you're, um, also moving and twisting the body. It has a good impact on the digestive system, which is another system which moves energy. So all the warm-ups move that clogged, stuck uh, stiffness out of the body. So then the next component is what's called Chi massage or energy massage. And what we do there is we uh, we get the students, to I get them to rub their hands together vigorously until they're warm. And then we go through a specific self-massage where we massage the face, the eyes, the lips, the gums, and, and the scalp, the back of the neck, the ears. And then we, uh, again, rub the hands together and we tap, all the bones in the body in a specific order. We tap the left arm, up the up and down the left arm, up and down the right arm. Then we reach back and massage the low back and the kidneys. Then we massage, um, we stimulate the um, lungs and the ribs and the sternum by tapping the chest uh, in a Tarzan-like manner, but, but kind of gently tapping the ribs to send vibrations into the lungs. And then we tap all the bones and tissue in the legs and the feet. We have our hands and little fists, and we're just lightly tapping. Because these when we tap, the vibration goes into the tissue, but especially into the bone and bone marrow. And this bone marrow is producing the blood cells. So the yogis are saying the more we can positively impact the bones, the more red blood cells we're going to have, the healthier we're going to be. So we go right through the body with the warm-ups. Then we go from the, through the body from head to toe again with the energy massage. And then we stand up and, um, I, and we do what are called the eight perfect exercises of kung. These are eight very uh, relatively simple exercises that we do from a standing position that move the body in every direction that it can go. Again, forward bends, back bends, lateral stretches, and twisting. And so this, these Chinese have come up with this very clever, easy system to stretch the body in, in a beneficial way to keep the energy moving. So after doing these eight perfect exercises, we do what's called the Compassion Heart Meditation. This is an ancient form of meditation from the Tao. It's pronounced D-A-O, but it's T-A-O, the Tao. And in the Compassion Heart Meditation, what I do is I have, um, have the students focus on the five high virtues. And these five high virtues are courage, gentleness, kindness, peace, and tolerance. And so what we do is we focus on those virtues as we're breathing, and then we kind of repeat them like a chant. We sit there breathing and with a big smile. I always want everybody smiling. And, and, and basically say the virtues and touch the tips of our fingers. And this is called the compassion heart meditation because according to Chinese yoga philosophy, if you, if you focus, on these high virtues, with a very pure intention, if you try to fill your heart with courage, gentleness, kindness, peace, and tolerance, then over a period of time, that's what happens. You absorb um, that virtue energy. In that, there's that saying, you are what you eat. The yogis are saying, your mind takes on the shape of the thoughts that occupy your mind. So if you're sitting there every day spending time meditating on the virtues and on compassion, over a period of time you become more compassionate with yourself and others.
2: And this is something you do with, with people who have co-occurring disorders of major mental illness and uh, substance use disorders. So, I mean, I think that says something that, that they can tolerate um, an, an hour of of this kind of exercise.
3: Yeah, you know it's it, I it's amazing how this this the yoga works with every population and with every group. And I, it's interesting. I noticed the guys at Westbridge they really like the compassion heart meditation. When we start talking about those virtues, you know, I because we'll say courage, and you know, it's like I'll say you know you need courage. To get through this hard challenge, this hurdle that you've got in front of you, you're going to need you're going to need courage. And then I'll say, but that courage needs to that macho. We don't want, want macho courage, so it needs to be tempered with gentleness. And and you know, kindness is is, is the virtue that always works in every situation. And they really get they get a kick out of it. And then I'll say, and when we're all living together, as you are here, we need tolerance to put up with each other. And that always gets a laugh. And, uh, and, and then putting that all together brings us to a place where we can have peace and compassion. And it's interesting how they really buy into it. I mean, these, a lot of these people are, let's say, they might not have gone to a yoga class if they hadn't been in this treatment program. It's interesting to see how, how they, they really connect with it.
2: And, and initially how resistant some people are until um, they go a couple times and begin to see the benefit
3: right you know it is for some of the guys when they first get there they come in and they're at like yoga class I mean it was it, let's just say it wasn't on their to-do list you know and then suddenly they're there and uh, but it's 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 I guess it's part of it's like an art form to find a way to bring them into the experience so that they can feel comfortable with it because sometimes they're at first they're not but and then it always amazes me how, within even not all the guys, some of them stay resistant. But I would resistant. But I would say at least seventy percent of them kind of buy into it. If they can come to three or four classes, you can see that that it means something to them. And some of them look really look forward to it. Um, you know, once they've done it a few times, they can feel the benefit. And it's really nice at the end of the class. We always to bring our hands into prayer position and offer each other the sign of peace. And it's just, it's just really beautiful to see them turn to each other and smile and offer each other the sign of peace. It's quite nice, and I think it helps bond them.
2: Oh, I think it does, too. Um, one of the things that we didn't talk about early on, because you've had such a uh, wonderful experience throughout life, um, after going to Vietnam, you also uh, worked in the DMZ, right? Yeah, and and you've been to Lebanon and you've been to Palestine and you've organized uh, peace camps. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you know all this kind of weaves together the yoga, the um, the peace camps, the working with refugees, and being an ex marine.
3: Yes, um, you know, as as it I, as an ex marine, I you know I I worked for Catholic Relief Services a relief and development organization, a United States organization from 1975 to 1980. And they they hired me, and then they said, one of the reasons we're hiring you, Tom, is because we figure if you can put up with two tours in Vietnam, you can put up with the tough assignment that we're going to give you. And they sent me to North Yemen which at the time was, I think, it was rated the third least developed country in the world. And um, there had been a civil war there and there was still trouble and sort of civil strife going on. And I was uh, uh, working with relief and development activities, especially food for work programs, getting villagers to work together on on village uh, projects and then feeding these people that were basically starving. And so... From From North Yemen, um, then they sent me to Lebanon because there was a civil war going on there. And so I spent two years in Beirut during the height of the civil war. And uh, uh, all the other relief and development people pulled their people out, but but, but just a couple of us decided to stay.
2: Um, we'll be right back to hear more um, about Tom's travels and his experience with peace and yoga when we come back from this commercial.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Been in Lebanon during the height of their civil war when all the other relief agencies had evacuated their their staff.
3: Yes, and uh, it was really quite an experience. And um, I was really fortunate in 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 North Yemen. I had the opportunity to meet Mother Teresa and work with her sisters there, and that was just a, a very very powerful experience because. Mother Teresa and her sisters are so spiritual, but they're just hands-on practical people, you know, feeding the poor and healing them one by one. And then when I was in Lebanon, I also had a chance to work with her sisters and to work with Mother Teresa again. So that was just very powerful. Spirituality is something really practical. You just get up, you go out, you roll off your sleeves, and you deal with the people. And uh, so I had a connection with the Middle East, and I've also uh, uh, been... Uh, one of the founding members of Volunteers for Peace, International Work Camps Incorporated. And what we do is we set up international work camps and we invite people from all around the world, different countries to come. And they, by working together and solving problems at these um, international work camps, um, they, they basically experience peace by getting to know each other and working side by side. And so I've been organizing peace camps in Concord, New Hampshire, um, last summer we had a peace camp where they stayed at the Unitarian Church in Concord, and they worked at the children's nature camp at the Audubon Center, and it was just wonderful to see these um, volunteers from—they were from America and Turkey and Israel and France and Germany and just all around the world—just see see them working with the children in the camp and just sharing sharing also. Um, things from their own cultures with these kids. So um, I'm very, uh, um, uh, I've been very involved with the peace movement, and, and we're already organizing next summer's peace camp in Conkitt.
2: Oh, cool. And if you wanted to find out about it, do you have a website?
3: Yes. It, it's vfp. dot org. Okay. and is
2: in victory. F is in Fred. P is in Paul. Yes. dot org. Okay.
3: Vfp. dot org. And we've worked with ninety nine countries over the past twenty five years. Wow, That's It's quite amazing. an organization. We Last summer we had sixty work camps throughout the United States.
2: Wow That's really it is cool. amazing um before we uh, end our show, I was wondering if you could uh, work with our audience doing some type of um meditation or breathing exercise.
3: right, you know. What I what I'll do, Mary, is just lead a, a a short breathing meditation, and then take it from the breathing meditation to the heart meditation. And so, what what I like to encourage people to do is sit in a chair or or on the floor, any comfortable position, where their backs are straight. As long as your back is straight and you're comfortable and relaxed, and then to close the eyes. If the eyes are open we're distracted by what we see and the the mind starts getting busy again. So it's good to have the eyes closed and sit with your hands on your belly just slightly below your navel so your hands are on your low abdomen. And as you inhale, you feel the sensation of the air entering your nostrils. You feel the sensation of your chest expanding and your abdomen expanding. As you exhale, you can feel the air leaving through your nostrils. You can feel the movement in your chest. So when we do this using sensation-oriented awareness, it brings us to a place where we're actually feeling the breath, not thinking about the breath. So, And so it's good to try to breathe as deeply as possible, Make a little extra effort to fill the lungs. And then as you exhale, you can let go of tension. You can inhale, and just as you exhale, let go. Try to relax the body even more. Exhale. As you're exhaling, you can let go of some tension or stress. And on the physical level, as you're exhaling, you're releasing toxins, byproducts of your metabolism. So you're inhaling and you're energizing. You're exhaling and you're purifying. And you try to just stay with the sensation of the breath coming into the body and the breath leaving the body. And once you can do this, which everybody can, it's like anything else. The more you do it, the quicker you experience the benefits. Once you can, um, after you've done this several times where you've used the breathing meditation to calm yourself down and to quiet yourself down, your busy mind down, the next time as as you sit to do your meditation, you can connect with a deeper state quicker and quicker because once you sit down in your yoga posture, it's like your body has a memory of that feeling of relaxation and your body wants to get back to that place where it's relaxed. So, focusing on the breath and and the sensations of breathing, and then to go even deeper, if people bring their hands up to their heart and put their hands over their heart so you can feel the beat of your heart, and in this, in this tradition of, of Chinese yoga, the, the heartbeat was given to you by your mother and dad, but let's say your mother, and she got that heartbeat from your grandmother and your great-grandmother and all the way back, and the Taoists say, it's the same heartbeat. It's the same heartbeat that your great-grandmother had that you now have inside of your chest. And that you honor your ancestors when you take care of your body, when you honor your health, when you're peaceful and smiling and full of peace and kindness and generosity and joy, that's the best way to honor your ancestors and yourself. So with the hands over the heart, you feel the heart beat, then there's a pause. Then there's a beat, and there's a pause. And you want to get to the point where you're so in the now that you are waiting for the next heartbeat. That means you're totally in the present.
2: I've been doing this as we've gone along.
3: Some people have trouble finding the heartbeat at the chest and you can find it at your wrist if people are more comfortable with their fingertips on their wrist or at, at the artery in, in the side of your neck, any place in your body where you can feel the pulse and then you just close your eyes, feel that pulse, smile, and just the, just the realization that this heartbeat goes back all the way to the very beginning. Who knows how long ago, how many tens or hundreds of thousands of years. And to a certain extent, now you're up. You've got the life force. What are you going to do with it in this lifetime?
2: That's very nice.
3: It's very centering.
2: Mm. I'm so relaxed. I don't even know what to talk about. <laughs> Is not a good thing.
3: So. Um, well, let me just—I I just want to throw out one other thing that we do in our classes, and it's the inner smile. And you know, if if you have a little bit of a smile, like the Mona Lisa smile, if you just slightly lift the corners of the mouth and relax your eyes, we yogis call it the inner smile. You've got a smile on your face, and you're aiming the smile at your own heart. So what that means is your smile is radiating good energy out to the people around you. And when you smile at your heart, you're, you're sending really good smiling energy into yourself as well. So that's the, the inner smile is the type of meditation you can do anywhere, anytime. You can have a smile on your face. So this is one of the most important forms of yoga, and both in Chinese yoga and Himalayan yoga, the yoga from India, they stress, you know, have that inner smile on your face, and so that's a practice that people who are listening, who want to get more into yoga and more connected, um, do the inner smile and notice how it can change the energy. Say you're on, you get into the elevator, you know, and everybody's crowded in, and everybody feels a little like, who's this next to me? If you just turn and smile. Somebody, or in any situation, just look at somebody and smile. It's amazing how amazing how contagious it is, and you can change the energy around you just by smiling and exuding peaceful energy.
2: If, um, Tom, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today and for sharing us, sharing with us about yoga and mindfulness and recovery and forgiveness a little taste of what it's like to be mindful and centered. Uh, how Mary, can people find out more? Is there besides um, uh org? is there any place else people can go for yeah, information?
3: Right, they could, they can contact me at org, and you know just a, find a good yoga video or yoga book.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great week everybody. Thanks Mary.